Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. I'm here with Jeremy King, International Director of the PCI Security Standards Council. Hi, Jeremy, thank you for being here. It's a pleasure, Tracy. Great to be here. Thank you, as always. So, Jeremy, let's talk a little bit about the so-called payments revolution and this emergence of contactless payments, which here in the UK um, are, are quite common, but in other parts of the world, maybe not so much. Yeah, it's been a, a slow process. It took a little time to get hold, but now, People are really getting used to uh, using their contact list. They like the uh, ease of use. They like that they can tap and go very quickly. Uh, and they're really now buying into it. So we're seeing a lot of transactions occurring outside of London. When first contact list was launched over here, it was for the mass transit, the TFL on the, on the underground. But now it's really grown out into the sticks, which is fantastic to see. But there also are security issues. There are security issues in search that really it is, you're not using the PIN. Uh, and so it is just, if you have the card, you can make a transaction. So people really have to look after their card like they look after their wallet. You know, we don't like losing 10 pound or 20 pounds. We take care of our cash. We need to take care of our contactless card. You made a good point earlier, and that is that you probably did too much of a good job in convincing consumers that they need to have a PIN associated with their transactions to secure them. Absolutely. When we, when we launched EMV chip and PIN in the UK, we had a real strong emphasis uh, and a big push of uh, it was the PIN that made you secure. We had Love Your PIN Day, which we actually transferred over on the 14th of February. So on Valentine's Day, we did everything to make people think that, yes, it was the PIN that made it secure. And obviously then when we launched contactless, we realized that people felt because they weren't using their PIN, it couldn't be secure. So we had to, we had to re-educate people that no, it, it, it was actually fine. And gradually now people are realizing, yes, actually, as younger people come through, they're used to it now, they're, they're, they're really starting to use it. So that's really good. Well, let's talk a little bit about authentication because mm -hmm. the PIN, of Absolutely. course, is a method of authentication. Biometrics is something that we talk a lot about, especially with mobile payments, but there are yes. challenges. Yes, uh, as we've, we've wanted to really increase the value of the transactions, that is where we're at the sticky point with contactless. Because we haven't got this second authentication, there are limits on what is the maximum value of the transaction. So along came the Apple Pays and Samsung Pays. With the ability to authenticate the cardholder, now we could start increasing the value of the transaction. The challenge there is how do you ensure the security and the authenticity of the biometrics? You know, biometrics have sort of been around for a while in terms of authentication, but they are what they are. They are static information. My, my fingerprints don't change. Now, if I lose my PIN, I can go to the bank and say, can I have a new PIN? If I lose my fingerprint, if that is compromised, um, there's not much I can do. So we have to be aware of the challenges that comes with this new technology that we can ensure that we are giving people increased security and they are aware that it isn't going to be detrimental to them going forward. Are there other layers or steps of authentication that are being reviewed or used by retailers or organizations generally that would take the user out of the experience? I think that's this, it's one of those things that actually has come through with new European regulations. So over here, um, the European Commission has launched some new regulations, the uh, Payment Services Directive number two, which is a lot of focus on strong customer authentication. We are seeing a lot of card not present fraud, so we're wanting to try and improve the levels of customer authentication. 
and going into the biometrics and doing face recognition or retina scans or fingerprint scans are all ways of trying to identify me as the person. Um, and so there's a lot of new techniques coming along, but again, on the security side, from our perspective, we're wanting to ensure that this is going to do what it's supposed to do and not weaken security or not expose the, the person to, to fraudulent attacks and fraudulent transactions. So let's expand on that just a bit, Jeremy. We're getting ready to enter the shopping season for the holidays, yes. a very busy time of year for retailers. You mentioned um, e-commerce. Let's talk a little bit about some of the challenges that online retailers face, or even retailers that have an online presence, when it comes to patching their systems and ensuring that they have everything up to date. PCI compliance sounds like a no-brainer, but it really can be challenging for a lot of organizations. It is. It's one of those things where, and, and we've heard it today on, on several of the presentations where the people are saying, you must ensure your systems are patched and up to date. And, and in PCI, we have a saying that this saves easy but does hard. It's easy to say to people that yes, you should have your patches up to date. And you will say, well, why wouldn't you? Yet, if you're an organization, and I was visiting a, a UK airline just yesterday, and they sell 95% of their tickets online, and they're always online, so people are always purchasing. So to do the patch, to do the updates, they have to take it offline. And so they're like then trying to choose a point of which the least amount of people are going to be sort of imp impacted by it bring it offline. So these tend to happen late at night, early morning. And then you've got to make sure that if you do a patch, it isn't going to have a detrimental effect on your on your business. You know, when you put this in, you want to have tested it, you want to make sure it's going to work, and then you're good to go. So we would say, yes, you know, when a critical security patch comes through, you should try and do this in seven days. In reality, that's a rush, because we know you've got to check it, you've got to make sure it's going to have the right impact on your on your uh, website. You've got to make sure you can implement it and it not take your website down. And so this needs a lot of effort. And then suddenly, yes, you get the go. And we saw only the other week in the UK where if someone gets something slightly wrong, the impact on the company can be catastrophic. You know, suddenly all of their payment terminals go down and people can't shop and people are upset and you're then in a very bad position. Yeah, and it makes sense because I think it's so easy for us to say, well, this entity was out of PCI compliance at the time of their breach, but when you put it in this right. type of context, right. you can understand why they're reluctant to do these things. You, that's right, and it's about managing the process. You know, it's, it's, if people have got a good PCI program in place, then they are managing this process, and it is then built into the program. So they know they're going to do these, these updates and their patches, they aren't quite compliant, but we know that they are managing the risk and they are keeping control of the security. What we don't want to see is people not doing these things and not implementing any of the patches. I've seen breaches where when they were investigated, they haven't done a patch for several years. And that's the sort of, we've got to get people into getting those fixes out there because this is how the criminals are attacking us. Yeah, and it's going to be an ongoing issue. I'm afraid so, yes. Yeah, never a shortage of, of threats or attacks. I'm afraid never a shortage of that, absolutely. The, the criminals are working constantly and they share information you know, with the, with the dark net and the dark web and increasingly social media, they are sharing information. So it's no longer that you have to have an expert attacking you. You can have anybody who's bought yes. the, the sort of the malware almost as a service, which is very worrying. 
So yes, people have to really take this on board and really do take sort of cybercrime seriously and really adopt the PCI. Right. Well, I appreciate it, Jeremy. Thank you, as always. Thank you very much. Again, we've just heard from Jeremy King from the PCI Security Standards Council for Information Security Media Group. I'm Tracy Kitten.